you said something about how eight struggle to listen. Absolutely. It's definitely one of the, the qualities that made me a trash friend for very a very long time. <laughs> um, I really struggled to just listen well. And now I listen for a living. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Cast. Hey, welcome to the Cast. Okay, Lindsay, I want you to do your toughest voice introducing yourself. I'm Lindsay Lewis. That's pretty good. Yeah, okay, here we go, here we go. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. <laughs> that was amazing. Okay, so we're doing these voices because today, as we talk about the Enneagram, we're going to talk about type 8 at work. Yes. So uh, type 8, commonly known as the powerful person. We're going to be looking at some of the ways that 8s relate and operate in a work setting and how 8s can bring their true self to the workplace. And we're also going to have some tips for how to get along with a type 8 coworker. So if you have a coworker who's an 8, make sure you stick around for those. All right, where do we start? Well, to look at the 8s at work, we'll be using the five truths about work that we looked at in episode 46. So as a reminder, those five things are work starts with God, work is good, work serves a greater purpose, work is not the way it should be, (laughs) and work is redeemed through the gospel. (laughs) I like that anger. That was good. That was good. That's my eight. Yeah. So in light of all that, let's dive into type eight, the powerful person at work. All right. So the first truth in talking about work is that number one, work starts with God. And here's what that means. All the types reflect a certain aspect of God's character and eights reflect God's power and God's protection. Eights are contending for what is good and right, especially on behalf of those that are vulnerable. And they're going to fight for justice. They're frequently very prophetic in their tone and their voice. And they bring a certain degree of just leadership into any environment, no Mm -hmm. matter their position in the company. And this reflection is part of what we call our true self. And it can show itself in a lot of different ways. And that naturally leads us to truth number two, which is that work is good. God created work as a good thing, and we can see that he also created eights as a good thing. They are complete and whole in their true self. So when eights are healthy, they reflect this goodness at work. So let's talk about some of the good things an eight can bring to their workplace. Like they get stuff done. Eights are high, high energy people, and they are action-oriented. So they are always moving forward and they have way more energy than most of the rest of us. Yes, for sure. The rest of us run on 110. They Mm -hmm. run on 220. Yes. So they have double the energy. They need half as much sleep. Mm -hmm. Caffeine literally courses through their veins (laughs) naturally. Like they just have so much energy. Second, their action and energy are often tuned toward a worthy cause because they're concerned with justice. So when an eight is healthy, they're very oriented around what is going to be good and helpful, mm-hmm. what's going to you know, right a wrong, uh, what is going to build something that's going to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they direct all that action, all that energy toward the benefit of others. That's right. They also can be great team players. 
So if you are with an eight and you have them on your side, they have your back. Yeah. And also they can see the big picture. Eights are really gifted at understanding this is where the whole ship Mm -hmm. is heading. This is the ultimate destination. They don't get lost in the tiny little details at the expense of the big picture. Yeah. They always see where is this big thing going. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think of our recruitment director, Rachel Hamm, like she's a type eight, Mm -hmm. tons of energy. And when she is at her best, especially if you see her like in a conference environment Mm -hmm. where she's trying to recruit, we've got all these, you know, young adults that are serving under her and she is like an air traffic controller. She's like, you're going to go here. You're going to go here. This is what we're going. But then when she begins to engage with people one on one, she's so inspiring Mm -hmm. and gives so much clarity of vision Like, you never have to guess what she thinks. Like, she's really straightforward. And it's naturally, like, magnetizing. Like, you want to be around that because you just go, man, the confidence and boldness of her convictions and her leadership, like, she brings that into her workplace. Yeah, she's so passionate, but she's also very caring about the individual. It's really great to see. Yeah, absolutely. So, work starts with God. Work is good. Now let's move on to truth number three, and that is that work serves a greater purpose. And we know that purpose is relationships. All of our life is relational. So even if you're using your workplace as a mission field to spread the gospel, it all has to start with building relationships. Right. And often a common relationship seen in the workplace is that of a supervisor and supervisees. So let's talk about how eights might relate to that relational dynamic. Eights naturally prefer to be, no surprise, the the supervisor. supervisor. (laughs) Yeah, they're just natural leaders. These are folks that are very declarative and very clear. They want to know where things are going, what direction things are heading. And they have a natural tendency to desire to be the one in control. Mm -hmm. Um, So when their health their energy and their commanding presence, it can bring out a lot of confidence in the people around them. They make great mentors. Mm -hmm. They're great delegators. And unlike other types, eights don't always have to do everything themselves. They are very much willing to release and relinquish to other people. And they'll surround themselves with the people they need to get all aspects of a project done. You know, but as we're going to talk about a little bit later... An eight supervisor can also abuse their power, uh, bulldozing over their employees, manipulating to get what they want done, expecting way too much of people, Mm -hmm. expecting others to have the same energy level. Uh, So that's eights as a supervisor. How do eights relate to being the one who's supervised? So eights like honest leadership. When they're healthy, eights will be respectful of leadership, and they will also want that same respect and honesty in return. But of course, since eights are natural leaders, they might end up challenging or opposing those in authority, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Okay, so the first three truths are work starts with God, work is good, and work serves a greater purpose. And all these truths show us that eights have so many good qualities that they bring to the work environment. That is true, but anyone who has ever tried to do anything knows work isn't always this good or ideal. Which actually brings us to truth number four, work is not the way it should be. So because of sin, everything is affected by brokenness, including our work. And for eights, that means that not only do they bring their true self to work, but their false self comes along with them. 
And a lot of the false self for the eight comes out in the form of their deadly sin, which is shamelessness or boundlessness. Or it comes out in their idol, which is control and power. So let's talk about some specific ways that this sin, this false self, shows up at work for an eight. First, the eight starts to challenge rules or authority. When an eight is unhealthy, they do not like being told what to do. They may think that they are above the rules, or they may even think, if I can break the rule, it's because the rule is a weak rule. And they can end up challenging those in higher positions, especially if they perceive those people to be unjust or weak. And at times, the eight can become vengeful and retaliate whenever rules are imposed on them. Right. Eights can also be so focused on keeping things moving and accomplishing that big picture goal that they steamroll people around them. A lot of people talk about that eights have a sort of wake and that a healthy eight needs to learn to look behind them and beside them and see, like, are they leaving a bunch of injured and hurt people behind them, you know, that they're going to regret later in life that they didn't nurture those relationships more along the way. Yeah. Is there a trail of dead bodies behind you? Mm -hmm. That's usually a sign that you may not be living a very healthy life. Yeah. Yeah. Also, AIDS can avoid vulnerability and weakness, which makes it really hard for others to help them and hard for the eight to empathize with coworkers who may be struggling. The eight's solution to everything is just buck up, get stronger, and deal with it. And the truth is that that is not always a universal solution, mm -hmm. that there are times where coworkers are going through extremely difficult things, and in your desire to get things done, you are leaving them behind mm -hmm. um, in ways that can be experienced as cruelty. The eight has to be able to learn how to become more appropriately vulnerable and to share the tender parts of who they are. Right. They can also have struggle putting limits on their intensity. They have a very blunt talking style. They're very upfront about their anger. They can take justice into their own hands. And they can use that intensity to intimidate and manipulate people. And also, they don't always understand that just because they feel like their blunt talk style is honest, it's not received as honesty. It can feel just mean and hurtful. So they have to be aware of how other people receive what they're putting out instead of just saying, this is my way and this is how I go forward. Yeah, there's no limits to their intensity. It comes from this idea that they're unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And the eight really believes at times that they are unstoppable. But sadly, for every eight, a time comes in life where life is going to stop them. Mm -hmm. um, but the good news is actually a lot of eights become really healthy as a result yeah. of, of finally being stopped and realizing, oh, wait, I'm not God and mm -hmm. I am stoppable. Another way that we see the false self manifest at work is through our stress arrow. You know, work can be really stressful. When the eight gets stressed, they can actually move into the five space. So, Lindsay, what's that look like? So, Suzanne Stabile always says that's when the eights take their ball and go home. Yeah. You know, they're like, I'm not playing with you anymore. I'm out of here. That can be really unhealthy to just leave the room in the middle of an argument, to refuse to work with your coworkers on a project because they didn't do it your way. Those can obviously be really unhelpful behaviors, but eights can use the five to slow down. You know, they can slow down, think before they act or before they speak, and to really make a plan, analyze what they're going to do and what they're going to say. What are the implications for others before they go into the situation? Because everybody needs a break. 
Just like the three needs to be able to go to the nine to withdraw and slow down, the eight needs a little bit of that five to just bring the energy level down and get to a healthier spot. Yeah, we appreciate that you guys have really strong instincts, but mm-hmm. instincts alone are not enough to make wise choices. Yeah. And so let your instincts merge with thoughtful reflection, and that's the five energy. If you want to go even more in depth into your stress arrow, go back and listen to episode number 42, which is all about the Enneagram and stress. So far, we've seen that work starts with God, work is good, it serves a greater purpose, but it isn't the way it's supposed to be. So the question is, how do we get back to the original design that God created? Well, the answer is in the fifth and final truth, which is work is redeemed through the gospel. You know, each type has a particular message that God speaks to them. It's a message of both forgiveness and healing. And we talked about this at length in season three. But the message that God speaks to the eight is this. You will not be betrayed. Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So when the aides learn to hear and accept this message in their work, that you will not be betrayed, it frees them to grow into their virtue and step back into their true self in Christ. Yeah, you know, a lot of Enneagram sources teach that the virtue is what changes us. But as Christians, we believe that it's Jesus and the gospel that bring change and renewal. And that the virtue is really simply just the outward fruit of that inward change. And that virtue that the ape begins to display is mercy. Okay, so how can eights lean into this virtue of mercy at work? Well, that brings us to the final segment of our teaching, which is tips for types. These first four tips are for the eights at work. And number one is eights lean into your growth arrow, which is the two. So twos are very relational. They're very in tune to people's emotional needs and what they're really going through right now. So an eight can use a little bit of that flavoring when they're with their coworkers. You know, they can not bulldoze, but bring people into the tank and then go down the road. Yeah. They become very service oriented Mm -hmm. of their coworkers, of their superiors. I've got all this energy and strength. How can I use it in order to help you and not to benefit just myself? Mm -hmm. Tip number two, practice gentle or friendly body language. Here's the deal. Eights, you love intensity. And the truth is that sometimes you walk into a room and your natural physical presence is one that can be very intimidating. If you want to accomplish good things and reach the goals that you want in your work environment and do it in a way that fosters healthy community, you may have to tone that down a bit. Because you need others, and others will be intimidated by your push-ahead, combative attitude. So something as simple as smiling more or standing not with your arms crossed but to your side, uh, those little things, those little adjustments can really soften the atmosphere and will make a better work environment and honestly help you achieve your goals more. Mm -hmm. Number three, practice moderation. You tend to see life as black and white, right and wrong, and the gray space is really hard. But where are some places that you can ease up and even embrace some of those gray places? Number four, take time to listen. 
uh, you probably already know what decision you want to make. You just have deep instincts. But the truth is, your instincts might be wrong. Mm -hmm. You may not have all the facts. Your instincts may be making a decision on the facts you have, but you don't have enough facts Mm -hmm. to actually make a good decision. So take the time to listen to the input of others. It's going to be good for your relationships. It may even help you to make better, wiser choices. So those are some of our tips for the eight, but relationships go both ways. So if you're not an eight, but you have a type eight coworker, here are four tips for you to help you relate to the eight. Tip number one, keep them informed. Eights can view other people as threats and they can really fear being manipulated. So the best way to help with that is keep the eight informed because when they feel like you might be hiding something from them, it might trigger their skepticism and their feeling that that you're up to something that could Mm -hmm. come back to harm them. So just make sure you're openly and straightforward communicating with your eight. And number two, don't give them a novel when all they want are the bullet points. Know what you're going to say and speak concisely when you're talking to an eight. Yeah, get to the point. Mm -hmm. In fact, say the end first and fill in the details as you go. They don't like a long takeoff. They want the rocket ship, not the airplane. (laughs) So just, just get there and get there fast. Tip number three. Create a comfortable environment where the eight can feel safe to open up about vulnerabilities and weaknesses. Biggest thing, make sure that it's an environment where gossip is not tolerated or celebrated, where backstabbing doesn't take place. Create an environment where people look out for each other Mm -hmm. and take care of each other, where they speak honestly, where their yes is yes, their no is no. Um, There's no talking behind each other's backs. All of those things are the only way that the eight will have the shot of opening up and being vulnerable. So create that space for them. And don't you think part of a safe environment in the workplace can also be a place where you can make a mistake and then work through it. Absolutely. So if an eight sees, okay, I can be open and honest about my mistakes, then that also softens them a little bit for their coworkers. Like we can make mistakes here. You're not going to just be fired, you know, Mm -hmm. or put out to pasture. You know, we can make mistakes and we work together as a team to make it right. That's right. I think that really helps. Number four, don't react to their anger. You can tell them honestly when they have hurt you because often an eight is very oblivious to how they come across. But again, do it succinctly. Don't come with all your emotions spilling out everywhere, but tell them honestly, even bluntly how they've hurt you. And often they will try to change. Yeah, I also think that's worth saying, too, there are occasions with an eight coworker where you need to match their energy. Mm-hmm. And for some of you, that's going to be really challenging and feel overwhelming. But I will tell you, the eight will know that you really care about them if there are the appropriate occasions where you stand your ground Mm -hmm. and you match their energy level and you don't budge. There are times where the eight uh, needs you as a coworker or Mm -hmm. as a friend to do that for them. Uh, And then you actually gain a lot more of their trust, but also you'll gain their respect. Yeah. Okay, so those are our tips for type eight. When we come back, we'll be talking with entrepreneur and relationship coach KB Newton. Stay with us. Hey, listeners, it's Anna, media editor. Here at Love Thy Neighborhood, we partner directly with local nonprofits right here in Louisville. Over the past seven years, our interns have provided over 130,000 work hours free of charge to local ministries. I recently talked to Dr. Timothy Paul Jones 
who's overseen our interns who served through book publication. Interns learn and experience the publication processes from start to finish, which in reality can be very mundane. But Dr. Jones shared that even the small mundane work can teach interns a valuable lesson. Our world, it values that which is quick and flashy, and they realize that things that really matter require just a lot of long, mundane labor. As mundane as that is, it's a really important thing uh, to recognize that it's in the ordinary rhythms of just keeping at it, doing the work that needs to be done, that things that are beautiful are produced in the end. If you're a young adult looking for an internship or social action in Christian community meet, check out our website at lovelyneighborhood.org. Again, that's lovelyneighborhood.org. Hey, welcome back to the IndieCast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Our guest today is Kristen K.B. Newton. K.B. is an entrepreneur. She's worked as a recording artist, a performer, a DJ. Her most recent endeavor is Heart Convos, a space to help women navigate unhealthy friendships by encouraging and equipping them to make, maintain, and mend friendships intentionally. Her conviction is that she believes that people have the ability to thrive once they embrace the importance of community. KB is also a wife, a mom, a podcaster, and how can she do all these things? Because she is an eight on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, KB. What's up? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, glad you're with us. Well, I guess let's start here. Tell us a little bit about your job and can you describe your work environment to us? Sure. So I'm currently self-employed with two businesses uh, that work to meet the needs of others around like events for one and then relationships for other. But I'm also in my seventh year as a professional DJ for the Indiana Pacers and was in the entertainment industry for 10 years. And so, as you can imagine, an eight having only one job would be hilarious, I guess. So so I do all of the, the things. My current work environment, though, since COVID, I work from home and do a lot of my content, you know, via video and editing and all of the kinds of things, podcasting and interviews and speaking, even being asked to speak at events. It's all happening from home. So yeah. I'm not traveling places to be in arenas. I'm sending them the video beforehand. So that's what my work environment kind of looks like since COVID. Was there anything specific from the teaching today that resonated with you? Oh, I'm so proud of you guys. Like, it was amazing. Thank you so much for accurately representing the eight. There were a lot of things that you said that I, that I was just like, yes, yes. And this is our heart. Yes. I love that you said Enneagram at work is the powerful person we are now as a woman that sometimes is not well received. And so that can be a little bit of a, of a problem in the workplace, but we, we typically are the powerful person. We love honesty. Honesty is key. That's the first word in the acronym of heart convos, like what a heart convo is. It's, it's honest. And so honesty is a huge, huge component. Yeah. Just, I mean, there were so many other things and I don't want to go through the laundry list. I literally have like 10 points, but it was great. That's awesome. Let me ask this. Do you find it easier to be supervised or to be a supervisor? Oh, a supervisor. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's not even a question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why is that? Why do you think that, uh, why do you think you gravitate towards that? Ooh, (laughs) there's a pace that eights work at. And back in the day, definitely when I wasn't in my most healthy space, I could really be impatient with those who were slower than me in their processing. They were less thorough than I was, right? Maybe leaders or bosses who value indirect communication. I say indirect communication because 
my husband is certified in cultural intelligence and indirect communication is just a cultural value. And so I would have said prior to knowing that people who just won't get to the thing and say what they want to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's, he's communicated to me. There's nothing wrong with it, Kristen. It's just a cultural value that they valued the indirect communication. So I think in a lot of those workspaces, it was hard for me to follow leaders who were indirect communicators, <laughs> just processed a little bit slower than me and uh, didn't feel like they had the most thorough plan in place to get the most done. Because again, eights want to function at a high capacity. We want to max effort. That's why I think it's sometimes harder to follow a leader. I think, honestly, my worst nightmare is to probably follow an incompetent leader. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think I think that's probably the reason why I would absolutely opt to be the, the supervisor. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine it feels like just trapped in eternal hell. Like if you're like, yes, like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck under this leadership and I can do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. It's slow torture. Yeah. <laughs> well, where do you see your true self showing up at work? Where do your strengths come out? You know, what do you bring to the table at your current job? So I am most passionate about empowering the powerless. Mm. Okay. I think it's a misconception that people have about AIDS is that we want to control people. Maybe I can't speak for all AIDS, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to control people. I want to control the circumstance or the situation, mm. right? Um, and mainly it's because I don't ever want to be controlled in our um, unhealthy state. Like we're fighting for control at all times. So it would be awful for me to see someone else feel like they had no control. And so I like to empower others. Like that's my jam. And so seeing people rise above like what they feel like are limiting circumstances is just a small taste of heaven for me. So like Mm -hmm. with heart combos every day, I am fighting for people to have the conversations that are honest and elephant size, authentic, real and transparent. So it does break my heart. And honestly, it just makes me mad sometimes um, (laughs) really that most things in like mainstream culture don't hold those five things as like a litmus for how we should live our lives. And I do believe that it's ruining people's deep, meaningful connections. There are opportunities for thriving friendships. And I'm just trying to make as much noise around that message every day. Mm-hmm. Hey, real fast, say what the five things are in heart. Yeah, so honest, elephant-sized, authentic, real, and transparent. Mm, that's good. Okay, so we talked about the fact, you know, work is not as it should be. So, you know, we as Christians especially, we just we can embrace the reality that the world is a broken place. Can you give an example or a story of a time when your false self showed up at work and, and created uh, a pretty bad situation? I think there have been many, many times, unfortunately, where I have avoided vulnerability to appear like I knew what I was doing, to appear stronger than what I was in the in the moment. And it, it definitely has cost me. I mentioned before that I was in a uh, in the entertainment industry for 10 years and I used to be in a band. And so the band had six members in it and I was the DJ in that group. And so we traveled, we, we toured, we cut records, you know, with a label, all the things. And I can just see my most unhealthy self so vividly in those years with, with, with that, that group. And one of the things that I would do is that I would try to assert control unnecessarily sometimes and, you know, run everything, lead everything. I was one of the most vocal members of the group. I would kind of trample over people. I think you, use, you guys use the word steamroll. I constantly, I think, was putting pressure on people to give more than what they could. Three of the members were introverts. And so I'm also mm-hmm. extroverted. And so that that doesn't help. And so I was just forcing an intensity and an, an energy sometimes in the group that made it difficult for people to function well. When I can remember one specific time, we were on a college campus about to do an event and literally, I hate to say it, but I, I legit think I might have said a cuss word before the curtains open because 
people kind of weren't giving me the energy that I thought we needed to do the show. And I was like, get it together in a different set of words. Uh-huh. And uh, then the co- the curtain opened and it was like, all right, cue, <laughs> cue the music. And so <laughs> th- that's, a, that's an example where I, I can see that I just completely failed as a leader, um, failed as someone who was given the responsibility to really nurture and lead and, and care for people well to set them up to do their best on stage. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how it strikes you the belief that God is never going to betray you. Like, how does that belief impact your relationship either with coworkers, collaborators, uh, the other people in your life? When you're able to hold on to that, the Lord is never going to betray me. How does that impact, you know, maybe some of your skepticism that you may have about others at times? Sure. I think it just points to the reality that God is in control and that his track record is flawless and that he is faithful. And this is something that I literally pray in every single prayer that I pray probably for the last decade. And I start every prayer, you know, kind of acknowledging God. But one of the very first things that I say is that um, I recognize now that you are God, I am not, and that I desperately need you. Mm. And so that is something that I've had to confess for like a decade now, every single day when I pray, because it reminds me he is God, I am not, and I desperately need him. And he's in control. He has the capacity to take care of it. He's not going to betray me. I can trust in his character. I can trust in his track record. I can trust in his word. What his word says is true. And that brings me so much comfort and freedom really to kind of open my hands. Because if you think about somebody who's trying to assert control, you think of like a clenched fist, right? They're trying to grab a hold of the situation, Mm -hmm. you know, to bring it under its control. And I can open my hands and say like, oh, God's got this. And even now, as I work with other people and I work in teams and when someone else is not showing up as their best self, or maybe they've dropped the ball and, and, or done something that would have just been so triggering to me, you know, years and years ago, I can say like, hey, God knew it was going to (laughs) happen. You know what I'm saying? Like he's in control and we, Mm -hmm. this is an opportunity to look to him because we need him. And Mm -hmm. so I think that has been kind of the life lesson as I've grown in my walk with the Lord is that as a Christian who, you know, shows up as an eight, I, I, I desperately need God, but he is, I can rely on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever the core type is, when you lean into your growth arrow, you're going to bring the best stuff to your work environment. And so for mm-hmm. the eight, you know, that growth arrow is going to, uh, to two, which is about being the helper, the servant, you know, how do you live into your growth arrow at work? Oh, so this is probably my favorite question. <laughs> this is great. First of all, just just if we're just going to keep it a buck, if we're just going to, you know, tell tell the, the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> yeah. Eights don't care. <laughs> like it takes a lot, at least for me, apart from Jesus. I really don't care. I really just kind of want what it is that you have to offer, what I can get from you. Like, what are you bringing to the table? Um, I'm going this way. If you're coming, come on. If not goodbye. You know, Mm -hmm, like it's mm -hmm. just, we can be so tunnel visioned and just, again, when we're unhealthy, we are, Ooh, yeah, we are nowhere near a two. And so having said that, how I see my, my growth arrow kind of manifesting in my life is the simple fact that I'm actually doing heart combos now. Like Mm -hmm. I have literally Mm -hmm. made it, made a commitment, my life's work to lean into the growth and development of other people personally and relationally. Whereas before, Again, especially outside of the context of work, it's like, what are we getting paid to do? I really don't care how you feel right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is great. I understand you have things going on at home, but we have a deadline. Like, you get what I mean? Like, that yeah, that yeah, line of yeah. thinking 
trumped any feelings of like, so how are you feeling right now? Did it feel extremely vulnerable? You get what I mean? Like, tell me more mm-hmm. of your story. You, you said something about how eight struggle to listen. Absolutely. It's definitely one of the, the qualities that made me a trash friend for very, a very long time. <laughs> um, I really struggled to just listen well. And now I listen for a living. Mm. Like I literally am leaning into community and relationships with women who are telling me their stories about their struggle with friendship or navigating the tension that comes into friendship. And I get to listen and offer, you get what I mean, like mm-hmm. perspective about ultimately just their well-being. And so it is my job now, ironically, <laughs> to meet the needs of others, to look to serve others, to see, hey, what can I do for you to help you thrive in this in this way? Mm, that's so good. There's two thoughts that come to mind in that. Number one is you're only confirming my belief that female eights have a leg up on male eights mm-hmm. uh, because I think that often female eights are a little more emotionally integrated than a lot of male mm. eights sometimes are. But the second thought that came to mind is, you know, for years I've observed that the healthiest eights are the ones that tap into their empathy on a very consistent basis. Mm. And part of that is exactly what you just said. I've learned the discipline And it's a discipline. I've learned the discipline of being quiet and listening to others and allowing my imagination to enter into their experience. So much of what you're getting at is like, I'm not always so great at this particular thing. I'm going to try to do that as an occupation to become really good at it. And that's where that growth happens. Yes. Coming alongside people on their growth journey um, when it comes to having heart combos or navigating relationships, especially again with the noise of cancel culture and mainstream narratives, the patience it takes to just daily, let's continue to plant those seeds in hopes that you know people will lean in and that they will listen. It's a type of work that doesn't have that immediate satisfaction or gratification that I think eights would long for. Like you said, we find comfort in the extremes, right? <laughs> so yeah. there's not a lot of extreme in what I do, there's a lot of nuance because everybody's story is different. Everybody's circumstance is different. And Mm -hmm. where one thing might have been the advice I would give person on the left, that person on the right who has the same exact situation, maybe with a a small variant, you know, like Mm -hmm. now I have to give you a completely different piece of perspective. And so, yeah, absolutely. I can see the two coming out all the the time. Mm -hmm. That's good. All right. Well, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. I think it's time for us to have a little bit of fun. Uh, I'm curious. Let's do it. I'm curious how KB's going to do against this robot. All right. So stay with us because when we come back, KB Newton will be playing Are You Smarter Than a Robot? Stay with us. On today's episode of the Enneacast, we're exploring Type 8, the powerful at work. You know, often the Type 8 personality is thought of as masculine, but that's simply not true there's more than enough room within womanhood for the type 8 personality. If you want to explore more about what it means to be a woman, check out our other podcast, the Love That Neighborhood podcast. And specifically, check out episode number 37, Gender Part 2, where the gospel meets womanhood. What does it mean to be a godly woman? And I know everybody just wants a list. You need to be that woman. And I was like, that's a joke. I had become convinced that um, my root problem was that I wanted to manipulate. If you're a strong woman, the place for you is feminism. Like there is no other option. He said, Lisa, I'm sorry, I can't let you quit because there's so many young women watching you. You can subscribe to the Love That Neighborhood podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts, or by heading over to lovethatneighborhood.org slash podcast. That's lovethyneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. 
Welcome back to the IndieCast. Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for Are You Smarter Than a Robot? All right, our game today is called Are You Smarter Than a Robot? This is sort of like the classic game Password, except your partner is a smart speaker. Here's how it works. I'm going to give you a word. It could be Enneagram-related, work-related. could be a random word. And then KB, you and Lindsay will take turns asking a question to try to get the smart speaker to say that word somewhere in its answer. So, for example, if the word is French fries, you might ask something like, what is a common side dish with hamburgers? If the speaker says the word, then you get a point. If it doesn't, then the other person gets a chance to steal by asking a different question. If no one gets the word, we move on to the next round. We're going to play five rounds. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. Are you both ready to play? Oh, yeah. Okay, I think I got it. Okay, so KB, we're going to start with you. Your first word is personality. Personality. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, Alexa, what is another word for temperament? Synonyms for temperament meaning disposition, personality. Whoa! Whoa right away. Or mood. Right out of the gate. All right, KB, one point. <laughs> this is a little harder than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Lindsay, your word is vacation. Vacation. Oh, vacation. Okay. Mm. Alexa, what is a travel agent? The noun travel agent is usually defined as a person who owns, operates, or works for a travel agency. Duh. No. Uh, okay, KB, you have the chance to steal. Um. Okay. This might work. It might not. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> Alexa, what do most people take for two weeks out of the year? Sorry. I don't have an answer. Mm. Mm. I was mm. thinking something along those lines, not. too. Okay. KB, your word. I like this. This is a good eight word here. Your word is bear. Like an animal or bear? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like grizzly and teddy bear. As oh. in eights are equal parts <laughs> grizzly and teddy bear. <laughs> okay. Um, Alexa, what kind of animal is the character Yogi. Here's something I found on the web. According to fandom.com, Yogi Bear is an Nice. Nice. Alexa, stop. That was awesome. That was well done. (laughs) Well done. All right, so what's our score? Two to zero. Two to zero. KB, I'm not going to lie. I appreciate you kicking Lindsay's (laughs) butt here. He's liking this way too much. I'm (laughs) really enjoying this. She's been destroying me all season long. Okay, Lindsay... Your word is mercy, something I hope KB does not show you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. These words are hard for me. Okay. Alexa, what is Uncle Jesse's catchphrase on Full House? Sorry, I don't know that. Mm. Mm. That's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Okay, KB, you have a chance to steal. The word is mercy. Yes, I have one. So, um... Alexa, what artist sings the song, I Can Only Imagine? I Can Only Imagine is by Lil Wayne. 
Chris Brown and they get him. <laughs> what? I told you she's a pagan. <laughs> Love it. Love that, it. That was a twist I did not see coming. I did not see that coming. No. I wanted her to say mercy me. Yeah. But it's fine. I thought that was brilliant. Okay, now I want that Lil Wayne doing yeah. mercy me, but it... <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, KB. Yep. Your word for the final round is eight. Like the number. Like yeah. the number. <laughs> Alexa, what number comes after seven? Seven is followed by eight. Boom. KB. My life feels very pointless. <laughs> Whoa, that, that, that escalated quickly. <laughs> All right, KB, you are our winner. You have won three to zero. Woo! Congratulations. Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, and now it's time for listener questions. This question comes from K.E. Brown. How can type 8s give up control and not micromanage in a working environment? Yeah, that's a great question. My first thought is they just have to choose to do it. It's not something that they're going to ever want to do. <laughs> and so they're going to have to make up their mind and just choose to do it. But one of the ways that they can make up their mind that it's something worth doing is by believing in the ability of their team. And so when mm -hmm. you are working with competent people, people who you know are good at what they do, they're passionate about what they do, then you can trust them to get the job done more easily. And that might take some work on an AIDS part to get to know their staff and again, what their strengths are. That's good. I also think about, you know, both eights and twos, a common struggle that both uh, types have is just around the issue of boundaries. And one of the tips that our resident two on staff has given is that they need to know uh, the difference between their area of responsibility and their area of concern. So I think that when an eight can literally make a list, what are you actually responsible for? And what are areas that you might just be concerned about? and then basically keep your hands out of the cookie jar. The other silos belong to other people, so just do your thing in your area, but you may need to literally write it down because in the heat of the moment, you may just lose yourself and lose the sense of boundaries. Mm -hmm. All right, this question comes from Digmo412. How do eights best receive negative feedback? Oh, we receive it just fine. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have an issue with... I, it's, let me just say, for me, I don't have an issue with positive feedback or negative feedback. I just want it straight. So how do eights best receive negative feedback? By sh shooting straight, giving it to them straight. We can pick up on manipulation. We, I, For me, I don't like it when people beat around the bush. You know, I would prefer that you get to the point, which is here's some negative feedback, <laughs> you yeah. know, about the thing. You don't necessarily have to sandwich it with a, you know, a praise or a compliment. You know, <laughs> you can just say the thing because at the end of the day the eights want to be the best you know we're, we're going to go hard after whatever we're doing and so i take it as a loving thing when someone's willing to lean in with me about negative things or hard things yeah how hard is it if somebody gives you a piece of negative feedback that you feel misrepresents you or misinterprets you i think it's one thing to receive negative feedback if you're like you know what that's that's fair that's honest mm -hmm. but like what do you do when it's a matter of interpretation? Like the other person's experiencing you in a certain way 
and you're like, you don't feel like that's fair. Like how, how do you want people to approach you in that context? I see. I still would want people just to, to tell me the thing. Like you came off as condescending, right? Mm -hmm. In my heart of hearts, <laughs> you know, like I'm not trying to be, you know what I mean? Like I'm just maybe passionate or you came across angry. That's a, that's a big one. I don't even have to make up an example. Let's just say something <laughs> that has been a recurring theme in my life. And that is when I actually care about something, which there aren't very many things that I care about. I'm not one of the numbers that just cares about everything for the sake of caring about it. Like when I do care about things, I lean in. I want to go there. I want to, I get passionate. I get excited. I get loud. I start talking fast, all the things. And so when my excitement or passion is perceived as anger, because people know that you're an eight, so they just think that you're always angry about everything, <laughs> I think that can be frustrating. And so if someone is perceiving me in a way that I am like, oh, that wasn't my intention and I wish that people wouldn't immediately go to that, I think what is helpful is if there's space created for me to def not even defend myself, but really just to give clarity on my intention. It would probably be best for questions to be asked, you know, I don't like it when my, my, when, when my intentions are in question, that's kind of the thing that rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, please don't, don't question my intention or my integrity. You know what I mean? Like that, that for me is hard. So if that is in question, I think it would be best if someone approached me with curiosity versus accusation. Uh, yeah. that's, that's good. That's good. I think we all prefer that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. This question is from Taylor is Taylor. How can I encourage female eights in the workplace? Oh, that's a great question. I think women in general just need to be empowered. We need to be told that it's okay to be who we are, regardless of if it fits a specific mold or narrative that has been kind of laid out before us. And so if you're a leader in the workplace and you notice, I mean, again, for all women in the workplace, but specifically if you notice that one of your um, employees or coworkers is an eight, I think giving her space to be her, the most eight version of herself is the most freeing. I remember a particular leader who was the director of a Christian sports camp that I worked at. And when he realized that I was an eight and that I had some, you know, this intensity about me, that I was willing to say the hard thing, that I was, you know, kind of a go-getter and could work at a high capacity, he created space and opportunity for me to thrive in work that needed those things. And so he didn't put me in the back. He didn't put me, you know, in positions that I wouldn't be able to use the things that naturally came well to me. Like he gave me positions that almost forced me to live up to, you know, who, who, who I, I am. And so to this day, I am still loyal to that particular leader, that camp, like that, mm -hmm. that ministry, because I just feel like I am who I am today because I was given the space to kind of discover who I was in that space. He didn't shun it. He didn't critique it. And again, I think a lot of female eights are wrestling against the narrative that women should operate a certain way, be a certain way, especially when it comes to when it comes to work, that we shouldn't have as many opinions or shouldn't take charge in the way that we can take charge and all the things. And so that's mm -hmm. what I would encourage. I mm -hmm. love that. That's one of the things I love the most about the Enneagram and talking about it in the workplace is that if we all have eyes to see that everybody's bringing different strengths to the table, yes. we can divvy out those strengths accordingly. And so no one has to feel, you know, stuck in a way that they can't thrive, but they can feel seen where they are most able to use the tools that they have. I just love that idea of 
encouraging those that want to be up front to move up front and then not shaming them for being up front and not shaming people who maybe want to stand in the back or who want to support or whatever it is, you know, that there's no shame in bringing your full healthy self to your work. Yes, well said. Well, KB, this has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, absolutely. It was my pleasure. Again, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Well, special thanks to our guest today, KB Newton. Go check out KB's own podcast, Heart Convos, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow her on Instagram at heart underscore convos. And to learn more about how she can help you cultivate better friendships or to take her 14-day friendship challenge, visit her website at heartconvos.com. Teaching content for this episode comes from Crosspoint Ministry, Beatrice Chestnut, and Kim Eddy. This show is brought to you by Love That Neighborhood. Love That Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian Community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethatneighborhood.org. This episode was edited by Rachel Zabo, Lindsay Lewis, and myself. Rachel's also our media director and producer. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. 